nothing's impossible. And so let's take our Bibles this morning, Sunday school. Let's get started with our lesson. If you would, they're going to pass out the lessons. Good to have our teenagers with us this morning. Brother Kenny and Miss Becky. Uh, Miss Becky had a wedding of a friend, and so they went to uh, be in that wedding. And so you pray for them. They'll be traveling back late today. And it's uh, appreciate our teenagers. And it was a wonderful time we had with our teens last Sunday night as uh, they were sharing testimonies and a couple of the young men preached, and we had a great time just hearing all that God did in their hearts. As one of the men prayed this morning earlier, let's continue to pray for our teens and those decisions that they made, that they would honor the Lord. And uh, the, the message this morning is, I was thinking not only about uh, us, but even the teens that would join us this morning, uh, we're going through this series on unpacking the Christian life, just under, trying to understand the Christian life. And so today we're going to begin our text is in Philippians chapter number two. We recently spent uh, quite a few Sunday nights in the book of Philippians, but Philippians chapter number two, beginning in verse number 12, and look at these two verses this morning. The Bible says, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, again, when you think about this matter of, of God's will for our lives, can I tell you, there's no doubt when you study the word of God, God has a plan and God has a purpose for your lives. We a lot of times talk about teenagers and young people and how God has a will for their lives. But I'm going to tell you, this, this goes beyond teenagers. This is for all of us. God has a plan. God has a purpose. And I love this verse here, how it says that it is God which worketh in you. And notice he's working in us both to will, it's, it's what God wants for our lives, and to do. God is doing something and God desires to do something in our lives, and notice, of his good pleasure. Now, uh, when I think about uh, th what I want to bring to you this morning about this plan for our lives, there is a plan, and uh, when I was a kid growing up, and of course even to this day at my age, I still enjoy sports. I always did enjoy sports. I, I enjoy watching them. I definitely enjoyed playing them. I was never that great at any one sport, but I guess the passion of my life was uh, football, and I still enjoy the game. And I remember when I was beginning to play, I was seven years old as we started playing the game, and uh, I had a couple of coaches that, be honest with you, for our age, these guys were phenomenal. Robert, you got a couple outlines for these teenagers. And so the thing is, is that uh, these co the coaches that I had, they were just, I mean, these guys, they wanted to win. I mean, I think that they didn't realize mentally that we were seven years old. And the reason I think that is because whenever, uh, whenever uh, we were there for practice and they finally divided us up because this was the first year we played, that uh, I ended up on the offensive squad and uh, the, the, the offensive coach of our team gave a playbook to us and that playbook had 100 plays in it. Yeah, that's what I thought when I looked at that Encyclopedia Britannica for a seven-year-old boy to play football. I thought, wow, I never realized there were so many uh, plays, you know, and I, I thought this must not be 
Well, I was playing JFL, Junior Football League, but I think he thought it was the NFL. And uh, I mean, he, and, and the thing was, it wasn't that just that he handed us the plays. We had to know them. And I mean, we had to know them so well. I'm not making this up. I'm, I'm in God's house, all right? If you missed a block, seven years old, you ran a mile. I'm not making this up. And can I tell you, I ran many miles because <laughs> I missed many blocks. I mean, it was, it, but I'll tell you this, over four years, those same coaches, that same squad of players, we were 23-0-1. We had one tie, no losses in four years. There was a plan. Uh, every one of those uh, teams they, they picked a, an animal that was the actual, what, the, what that particular team was called, and our, our head coach, he picked, for our team, he picked the Cobras, and that's what we were. We were the Cobras, and I mean, we were one of those squads that when we, when we came out of the huddle, we all clapped our hands together. We all ran to the line together. We all went down on our, on our put our hands on our knees, and when we went down, we went, huh! I mean, we were like a machine. And I mean, if nothing else, we were scaring the guys on the other side of the ball. Uh, they thought, what in the world? These are fanatical. But listen, our coach had a plan. And can I tell you that our father has a plan? God has a plan for our lives. And you're going to see in one of the points today is God wants us, just like my coach did, God wants us to have victory in our lives as a Christian. Now, when you think about these verses, look, it's important for us to see because I think so many Christians live their lives frustrated. I, I think a lot of times because they don't get what God's plan is, the game plan for our lives, they don't understand how the Christian life is, listen, it's to be lived out daily. Uh, certainly, I'm not picking on our teenagers, but I, I think they're old enough to understand that, look, it's not just for, for one week of camp, it's for every day of their lives. For us as adults, it's not just Sunday, it's every day of the week. We've got to see how important it is to live out the Christian life every day. Uh, some of us live in our lives many times thinking about the failures, and we all have failures in our lives, but can I tell you that if you've had failure in your life, can I just tell you this morning, you're a normal Christian. You're just like the rest of us. We all experience, look at the life of Peter. I mean, the man understood failure. We all, and, and, and I think, again, the, the teenagers, and I never had the privilege they did to go to camp, and that's why I love camp, is because I have been, but I've been as a pastor, as a counselor, as a youth pastor, and, and I see the value of it, but I'm going to tell you something that many times I would see uh, teenagers make decisions and, and be on the mountaintop and then something happens the next week because the devil doesn't want them to live for the Lord. And what happens is the old devil just puts himself right up on the shoulder, begins to whis whisper in their ear, you're a failure. So you've been back one week. But I think a lot of adults do the same thing. We make decisions. God deals with us in a service. We come forward. At, we're at an altar. And what happens is we make a decision. We get up from there. We mean business with God. We go back to our seat. We go back to our normal lives. We go back to our jobs every day. And we fail miserably sometimes as a Christian. And the old devil does the same thing to us. 
see, you're a failure. You, you know, you might as well forget about serving God because you can't keep any decision. And, and a lot of people are frustrated. So I want you to look this morning at what is the plan that God has? Because I think God has a game plan for us. And notice it begins, first of all, with what we'll call the grace plan. Uh, where would we be without God's grace? I mean, I, I, I think about how good God is to us. I mean, Paul is a great example in the Bible. And Paul made a lot of statements in the Word of God. And I think a lot of his statements, they almost seem contradictory. And we know the Bible never contradicts itself. But you know what? Paul called himself, now he wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he called himself a saint, you know? Over here we have St. Tyler, we have, we have St. Jessica. You know, if, if we're saved according to the Word of God, I mean, St. Petunia back there, I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, you know, we, we, we've got St. Hector in, in the room this morning, St. Carla. In other words, if we're saved according to the Word of God, we're saints, but remember what else Paul said? He said, I am chief or chiefest of the sinners. So he said, look at, watch this. He's a saint, but he's a sinner. See, just because we are saved, and praise the Lord, we are saved, but after we get saved, that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. We are going to have times in our lives. That's where God's grace comes in. That's where God helps us to understand. Remember what Paul wrote to those in, in the book of Romans. He said, oh, wretched man that I am. But then remember what he wrote to those in Corinth? He says to them, I'm a new creature in Christ. You know, I'm a wretched man, but I'm a new creature in Christ. Uh, the Bible says, oh, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says, if any man be in Christ, are you saved this morning? If you're saved, you're in Christ, and the Bible says that you're a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Now, the question is, so, you know, you think about these contradictory statements that it seems like Paul was making, but remember, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So if Paul's making these statements, is Paul confused about the Christian life? And the answer to that is no, not at all. Paul wasn't confused. See, unlike me, when I was seven years old, Paul knew God's game plan for his life. He knew exactly the reality that, that even though we're saved, we're still going to struggle. That's what we talked about last week, was the struggle is real. Once we get saved, we're still going to battle. And Paul was one that, that he experienced God's grace as a sinner, and he experienced God's grace as a saint. Uh, he, Paul knew, listen, and you've got to get to this place in your life, Paul knew God accepted him the way he was. Now, Paul was never happy with himself when he did something wrong. But he knew that God loves us, and God's love, remember, is unconditional. That means, just like a parent, if my child does something that I don't approve of, guess what? I still love them because they're my child. And God's the same way. God's love is greater than man's love. God loves us unconditionally. Look what Paul wrote in the book of Galatians there in your notes. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, listen to what he says. He says, I live it in the flesh, but I'm living it by the faith of the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself for me. See, Paul had a motivation, and the motivation was, look, God loved me so much, you know? You know, listen, you should never come to the church for any one person. You should come to the church because you love the Lord. You know, these teenagers, Brother Kenny probably told them, or Miss Becky probably told them, but Brother Kenny and Miss Becky aren't here today, but here's a group of teenagers that are at church today, and their youth pastor and his wife aren't here today. They're here because they love the Lord. They're here because they want to grow as a Christian, and I applaud that. Look, folks, that's, that's what he wrote. Look back in Philippians 2. He says, he says, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only. He says, you don't just do what you do because I'm there. He says, you do it even when I'm not there. You get it? So you have to understand that God's grace is sufficient, but that, that, that as we live our lives and we struggle, God is always going to be there with us, and He desires for our relationship that we have with Him. And look here, remember where that relationship began? It began in our hearts. You know, Tyler uh, and a couple of young ladies made some decisions, and, and Brother Tyler says, I've got this thing settled. Look, that happened in his heart. But God desires for what happens on the inside to manifest itself in our lives on the outside. There needs to be evidence in our lives that, and look, I'm going to tell you, I know firsthand that God is interested in changing all of us, but the way he changes us is from the inside out. And that's what we need to see this morning. That's what the grace of God is, is God calls us to live different than we lived before we were saved. Listen to the statement. It is all His work in us, not our work for Him. Let me say that again. It's all His work in us, not our work for Him. Because many times we, we almost kind of pat ourselves on the back and say, look what I'm doing for the Lord. When the reality is, is that he's doing it in us and he's doing it through us. And, and it, it, listen, I, I love the fact that God's grace helps us and we need to allow God to work in our lives. Remember, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So what do we need to do? We have to respond to the grace of God in our lives. You see, God has a plan and that plan begins with his grace but then notice secondly that because of the grace of God notice the second part of his plan is this matter of a victory plan God wants us to have victory in our lives you know it's easy to start trying to live for Jesus rather than to live in Jesus and again there's a lot of times people make this mistake they try to live for him instead of living in him and one of those illustrations that I just gave you is a performance-driven one, is I'm doing what I'm doing so that, you know, I feel good, I look good, instead of doing it for the right reason, because the other one, when we live in Jesus, we're actually being led of the Spirit. See, God's work within us, you know what it does is it produces some things. It produces the will and the ability to obey. Now, let's talk about that, because... We spent some time a little while back on this matter of body, soul, and spirit, and this, this matter of the will is so important because the will is our inner desire. 
It's to do, to do is the ability to act and behave in God's way. So in our lives, anything good in us and anything good through us is by God's grace. As a Christian, we try to live our lives in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. But what happens is we, we, we shift our lives to doing things. And a lot of times we refer to that as works. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about once we are saved, we live our lives doing things, working for instead of spending time. Here's a good illustration. Remember the illustration in the Bible about Mary and Martha? And a lot of you right now, without me saying a word, you know where I'm going. Now, the things Martha was doing weren't bad things. Somebody had to do those things. But remember, Jesus' comment was that Mary is doing what is needful. She was spending time with the Lord. And see, if it, 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 here's what happens. Again, I'm not... You know, many of us serve in church. We do things. There's nothing wrong with that. Because I think God has called us to a life of service. But I think what happens is we start placing all the emphasis on doing instead of actually being with the Lord. And, and I think that, that really the doing is an outflow of the time that we've spent with him. You know, many of my weeks, uh, and they vary here at the church, but a lot of times I spend, try to spend time during the week with the Lord so that what happens is, is that when I stand to teach or I stand to preach, and I pray our Sunday school teachers and anyone that's teaching or preaching here at our church does the same thing, is, is that that time that we spend at His feet then comes from the, from the inside out. And, and we need to see that this is the only way that we're going to have victory in our lives. Why? Because Paul writes about this struggle, and here it is. The flesh doesn't go down without a fight. The flesh is always going to battle. The, the flesh wants to always win in our lives. We've got to keep our motives pure. So let me give you two attitudes that you and I can have while we're serving the Lord. And I, I, I think about these, I've already mentioned them, so here's the first one, is this matter of living for Jesus. Now, it sounds good, okay? Sounds good, living for Jesus. There's a songwriter wrote, living for Jesus, a life that is true. So we want to live for Jesus, but when we, when we emphasize the living for Jesus, here's, here's the problem is, is that many times it's about our glory instead of His. It becomes about us instead of about Him. And the focus needs to be on Him because this attitude that, that I'm talking about living for Jesus, it makes me or you or us big and it makes God small. Now, it ought to be just the opposite. Remember what John the Baptist said, He must increase and I must fade into the background. You know, hide me behind the cross. Help me, to, help me not to steal the glory that belongs to the Lord. And a lot of times this what, this what we do is instead of realizing that God wants us to live, notice letter B, we need to be living in Jesus. Instead of for Jesus, we need to be living in Jesus. Look at some of these verses here in your outline, Acts 17, 28. For in Him we live. 
and move and have our being. What a great verse. In him we live and move and have our being. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. All things. John 15.5, the great analogy here, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me. Look, what good is the branch without the, the main structure, the trunk of the tree, right? And what good are we without the Lord? That's why we have to be in Him. We have to be living in Jesus. It's so important. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we think sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. It's of God. See, winning, winning is in Jesus, not for Jesus. What are we talking about here? We're talking about a total dependence on the Lord. Totally depending on the Lord. God, what would you have for my life? Uh, you know, a lot of times what happens is when we admit, Lord, I need you and, and I want to live in you, what we must do is discover how weak, how broken, how messy our lives really are. And most people don't like to admit that. But we have to get to that place. Look, God didn't save you so that you could grace him. God saved you so that he could grace you. That his grace would work in and through your lives. Jesus doesn't need your grace, but can I tell you this morning, we need his. We need his. If we're ever going to have victory in our lives, we've got to understand God has a plan. And we need to understand what that plan... Now, can I tell you, look here, God's plan is not as complicated as it was whenever I was seven years old with that playbook for our, my football team. God's given us his word. What we need to do is get in the word of God and study the word of God, find out what God's will is for our lives. Why? So that we can have victory. See, God's grace will help us to have victory in our lives. Now, I want you to see the third thing this morning, and we'll talk here about what we're going to call the game plan. If there's anything that you take with you today, let me give you a couple things that I think will help you immensely. No matter what your age is this morning, no matter how long you've been saved, because I think God's plan is the most important thing. And it, can I tell you this morning, it's not a strategy of working harder. A lot of times we think that's what we need to do is I need to try harder. I need to work harder. Here's what it is. It's about depending more on him, obeying him. Uh, what The little statement that my granddaughter always says, especially now that she's got a little sister, she always says, obey right away. And a lot of times when she says that to her little sister, who honestly I don't think is old enough to understand it yet, I usually will look back at her like, are you doing what you're asking your sister to do? It's amazing how many times God has said to me in recent days, are you obeying right away? Are you doing what I'm asking you to do? Because if, look here, that, you know what that means? That means I have to be depending on him. And I want you to see this morning because as you think about the strategy, daily living breaks down into three simple components. Here they are, number, letter A. The first one, most important, is love Jesus. You have to love the Lord. 
the conversation Jesus had with Peter. He says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? I don't know what the these are in your life. But can I tell you, every one of us this morning have some these in your life? And this conversation has struck my heart many times, just like it did Peter's. The Lord's asked me many times, do you love me more than, and you fill in the blank. Because we've all got something in our lives. And remember Peter's, Lord, you know that I love you. Three times he asked him. Now I know that when I was a kid, if my mom or dad asked me something once, it was bad. If they asked me twice, it was really bad. If they asked me three times, call me an ambulance, you know. And the Lord asked Peter three times. He was trying to strike a chord in Peter's heart. He says, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Mark 12, 30. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Now notice this statement that comes up many times in this one verse. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Did you notice those two words, with all? With all. You know, is your all on the altar laid? Are you willing to love the Lord with all? We're good at giving God part, aren't we? Lord, you can have this and this, but I think I want to keep this right here. No, if you're going to love Jesus, look at John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know what he's saying? Do what I asked you to do. Obey right away. That's what he says. Luke 22, look at these verses coming back to Simon Peter. And I'm not picking on Peter this morning, but he gives us some great illustrations. Look at this. Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Jesus said, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brother. In other words, look here, the word converted doesn't mean saved. Peter was already saved. He says, Peter, when you, get, when you understand God's plan, when you understand what I'm trying to do in your life, when you, when you finally are serious about serving me and, and, and loving me, look, when failure happened in Peter's life, can I tell you it was a breakdown of one thing? It was a breakdown of love. It was a breakdown of his love for the Lord. You say, well, I thought he loved the Lord. Yeah, but listen, the way in his actions, he was showing something totally different. Remember, listen, it's not just in word, but in deed. We have to show. That's why Jesus said, feed my lambs. Look what Jesus said. God says to one of the churches in the book of Revelation, I have somewhat against thee. What did God have against that church? Remember, church is the people of God, not a building. He says that thou hast left what? Your first love. First love. He loved you before you ever loved him. So look, if you want to think about the plan that God has for your life, the first component which is so important is, do you love Jesus? Now you might be like Peter this morning. Well, I mean, that's an easy question. I mean, you know the answer to that, Pastor. God knows the answer to that. I mean, certainly I love the Lord. Well, remember what Paul said in his life? He says, the love of Christ constraineth me. 
If I can paraphrase in the Keeley version, he was saying, I don't need coffee to get me going in the mornings. Jesus gets me out of bed. I love him because of what he's done for me. There's a, there's a genuine love there. Look at Titus 2. Titus writes here in chapter 2, verse 11, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. Now watch this. That denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we, God's people, should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Not, not when we get to heaven someday. He says, we need to live that way. You need to live that way on your job this week. You need to live that way out in the community. These teenagers, when they go back to school, they need to live that way at school. You know, I, I think it's always been a, kind of a neat thing. I, I hate to hear of tragedy, but I think it's been kind of interesting how many of these problems that they've been having at schools, that there have been a, an element of Christian students in some of those situations and, and have stood for the Lord, and many of them lost their lives because they were living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And that's the way we need to live. Now look, if you don't love Jesus, you're not going to live that way. But if you love the Lord, you're going to live soberly. You're going to live righteously and you're going to live godly every day of your life. Not Look, Paul says, not just in my presence only, but in my absence. You're doing what you do. Why? Because you love the Lord. See, real Christianity is not a have-to life. It's a want-to life. A want-to the law, according to the Word of God, teaches this matter of you have to do this, you have to do that. You know what love does? Love is, I want to. You know, when the offering plate comes by today, I get to give. God loveth a cheerful giver. You know, it's not that I have to. Did you ever notice God doesn't, He, he gave you a will, right? God doesn't want you to be a robot. But I'll tell you this, God does desire your love for Him. He wants you to love Him, and that's the first major component. Loving Jesus is the foremost value of God's game plan. And the question simply this morning is, do you love Jesus? Now watch this, here's the second one. The second one is an outflow of the first one. Because if you love Jesus, secondly, you'll walk with Jesus. If you love Him, you're going to walk with Him. You know what? It, it, it's a wonderful thing to have friends. I'm, I'm glad and grateful for the friends I have in life. And you know what? I love spending time with my friends. You know why? Because I love them. And for some strange reason, they love me. But here's the thing is, we have a ball when we get together. Spending time together. And do you know who your best friend in your life should be? Jesus. Now, God's given me a wonderful wife, and she is, she is my best friend on this earth. But Jesus is my best friend. And, and, and look at the Bible says again, going back to John 15, he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Accept it, abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. 
He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Galatians 5.16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill. See, we're struggling, and the reason we're struggling is because we don't love Jesus the way we should, and because we don't love him the way we should, we're not spending time with him. We're not walking with him. Do you get it this morning? It's very, very important to understand God has a plan for our lives. He has a strategy for our lives. Relationships are stronger through the time that we spend together and the attention that we give to one another. Well, the same is true with the Lord. The more time you spend with Him, the more attention you give to Him, guess what? Your relationship with Him is going to be even stronger. But if you take away time, in other words, you don't spend any time with Him, and you don't give the attention What's going to happen is you're going to neglect him. There's going to be more distance. And you know what's going to happen in your life is you're going to become weaker as a Christian. We've got to see that Jesus can change us, but that change comes as we are walking with him. Look what Jesus said to the church in Revelation 3. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, and that, that phrase there is all-inclusive. The Bible says if any man hear my voice and open the door. You know, go to the door this morning. You know, look, understand that the devil, as he said to Peter, desires to sift you, that he can have you. God says, I'm standing at the door. Why don't you just come over and open the door of your heart to me this morning? And he says, and I will come in and I will sup with him and he with me. Folks, that's the kind of fellowship that we need to be having is letting the Lord in our lives, letting God have his way to will and to do of his good pleasure. God, what do you want? You know, look, when's the last time you just opened the door and said, God, why don't you come on in? Let's just sit down and have a good time. But so many times we don't see that it's this matter of walking with him. Real Christianity is an intimate, loving relationship with Jesus. The more time you spend with him, guess what's going to happen? The more you're going to love him. You know, my three oldest daughters, they, they uh, each one of them in their own way, introduced me to their now husbands. And I didn't like any of them. Some, they, they bring some guy to me that wants to replace me in their life. I don't like that, you know, because no guy is ever good enough for my daughters. And, and so, you know, my daughters would say, Dad, if you just get to know him, I don't want to. <laughs> but, you know, as time went along, I saw how much they cared for my daughters. And I saw how much my daughters cared for them. And I saw how they treated them, how they took care of them. And guess what? I love my son-in-laws. I love every one of them. And I don't even call them son-in-laws. I just call them sons. Because the more time I spend with them, the more I've gotten to love them. Say, so what about all their flaws? Well, their father-in-law has a lot too. We all do. So we need to understand that we have to love the Lord, we need to walk with Him, and then let her see, we've talked about this, we need to depend upon Jesus. Are you depending upon the Lord? The Bible says in Romans 6, Likewise reckon ye, ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, 
but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, you're alive today because of what the Lord's done for you. And therefore, you look, you need to make sure that you yield your members as instruments of righteousness, not unrighteousness. Make sure that we're, we're allowing God to work in us. Well, how's that going to happen? You and I have to yield to the Lord. You know, and that's, that's, one, that's one sign on the road that a lot of people totally ignore, you know, like my, you know, my granddaughter, she learned, I, I, I think it was her dad that taught her this because my daughter would have never taught her that yellow means go at a stoplight, you know? And uh, last time I looked, it was green means go, red means stop, and yellow means, uh-huh, see, all you sinners. I figured you'd answer something right there. So, so here's the thing is, is that we've got to, look, yielding in our lives means we're depending on the Lord. Look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. Here's some great verses. I beseech you, I'm begging you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, a living what? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Now look at these words. Remember, Paul says he was a saint. Here's the same word, holy. A word is hagias. It's the, the Bible, they translate it correctly as saint or holy. And he says here that we need to present our bodies holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? It's just the word there, reasonable, it's the word logikos. It's where we get our English word, it's logical. It's only logical that you present your bodies a living sacrifice and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed how? By the renewing of what? your mind. Now, how does your mind get renewed? Through the Word of God and by depending upon the Lord. That's what we need to do. God's got a plan for our lives, and we need to present our bodies, yield to Him, and He'll renew our minds. He'll change. Watch this. As God renews our minds, you know then what He does? He changes our hearts. And when our hearts are changed, then guess what happens? Our lives are transformed. See, I'm not the man I used to be. Am I there yet? No. I've got a long way to go. I'm a work in progress. But I thank God for His grace and for the victory that I have through Jesus Christ. And God, listen, God has a plan. And what we need to do, watch me, is we need to know God's plan and we need to understand God's plan and as we understand it, we'll allow Him to will and to do of His good pleasure in our lives. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank You for Your work in our hearts and lives. Thank You for the grace that You have given to us. Lord, as I look around the auditorium this morning, I see from teenagers to adults, Lord, I think about how many of us struggle because of the failures in our lives. And Lord, that's where Your grace comes in. I think about so many examples, Paul, Peter, David, in the Old Testament, so many failed in their lives, but God, you used them in a mighty way. Lord, help us to know your plan, your will, and Lord, help us to yield to whatever you would have for us, that you could use us, but Lord, it's not going to happen unless we love you, unless we're walking with you, and unless we are fully dependent upon you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.